Glad to see you guys here. Glad to see everyone here today, everyone over at Otis, everyone who's online. We really appreciate you being here. If you're visiting with us, we so appreciate you being here and visiting with us as well. How many of you are ready for Christmas? Okay, there's like three of you. All right, well, that's okay too. You know, if you are here today because you thought this was one of the Christmas services, um, it's not. Uh, you're a few days early. So, uh, but I definitely encourage you come back for the Christmas services. They are going to be amazing. And if you're watching online, you can catch them online as well. And in fact, the online experience is going to be different enough from our in house experience that if you do come here, be sure to watch it online also. So attend with your friends or not, but just make sure that you come back and you enjoy the Christmas service. We've got some great things planned for you. For all the service times and information, check our website online. So my name is Jason. I am one of the elders here at Valley Real Life. I am a coffee-drinking, geeky nerd who loves God and math and science fiction, uh, I am just as likely to say, may the force be with you, as I am to say, may the force be equal to mass times acceleration. So that's a little bit about me. My family and I, we've been attending here for about 15 years. Uh, I've been married for 26 years to my crazy cat lady of a wife, Lori. And we have a son who is a junior in college studying to be an entomologist. Yay, bugs. One of the things that we love, though, is we love seeing all of the amazing things happening here at Valley Real Life. And during my 15 years here, I've had an opportunity to work with some really amazing people. I've had an opportunity to volunteer with people. We've had an opportunity to lead a small group from our home. I've also had an opportunity to be on staff a few different times. And like I mentioned, uh, over the last year and a half, I've been able to be an elder here at Valley Real Life. And it has been such a blessing for me and such a blessing for our family. Well, tonight, we're going to be wrapping up the He Will Be Called series. So we've been studying out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And here it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Dan has done a fantastic job over the last few weeks talking us through some of the titles of Christ, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And if you haven't watched those, if you missed any of them, I encourage you, check them out online. They're definitely worth watching. Not right now, stay, you know, keep your attention here now for now, but after this one, I definitely recommend go online and watch those. Today, we're going to be talking about Prince of Peace. And I got to tell you, I was super excited when I heard that I got to speak about Prince of Peace. I thought, hooray, I've got an easy one. I should have known better. You see, there's this interesting thing that happens. Anytime I have an opportunity to speak, I think, oh, I'm going to get up on the platform and do some teaching and, and impart some knowledge. But every time I have an opportunity to speak, God has something for me to learn. God has something to tell me. And this particular lesson was definitely true. You see, this last week, I almost lost my sister. And that was a really, really, really tough time for me. Now, I'm overjoyed to say that she is alive and well, but it was a very, very tough week. And it forced me to take an intensely personal look at what peace means to me and what it means to invite the Prince of Peace 
into my life. So we've been looking at the names of the child. Wrong child. So Prince of Peace, what does it even mean Prince of Peace. I mean, I've grown up in church. I've grown up and I've seen this all over the place. Prince of Peace. But I've never really stopped to think about what it means. I mean, it makes for great yard art. We all know that. Uh, and it just sounds really good. Prince of Peace. The alliteration of it is amazing. Even in Hebrew, the Hebrew words are Sar Shalom, which also sounds really, really good. Now, admittedly, it loses some of its lovely alliteration when you look at it in other languages. So, for instance, in German, it's Prince des Friedens. Um, in Japanese, it's Haewa no Oji. Um, in Klingon, it's Jorosh, uh, which kind of surprised me that they even have a word for peace. But, but none of that told me anything about what Prince of Peace means. So beyond just the fact that it sounds good... What does it actually mean? So I thought, well, let's start by breaking down the words. So let's start with the word prince. What does it mean to be a prince? Well, a prince typically represents the king, will typically speak on behalf of the king. A prince hopefully brings the same amount of respect that the king has. A prince is typically in charge of things, maybe even a little bit more hands-on uh, than others, and maybe is even a little bit more approachable. So this is the idea of a prince. But, you know, when I thought about that, I thought, well, does this make Jesus somehow less than God by calling him a, a prince? Well, no. I, I, actually, we know that because I, Isaiah just got done saying that he is mighty God, that he is everlasting father. So we know that he's not less than God, no, instead, this is about a further purpose of Christ. So Prince of Peace, Prince, this is another purpose of Christ. Okay, so we got the word Prince. What about the word Peace? What comes to mind when you hear the word Peace? In fact, that, that's actually a question I have for you. I want you to turn to your neighbor here or over at Otis. If you're online at a coffee shop, maybe talk to the stranger a few seats down and tell them what you think of when you hear the word peace. And if you're online, go ahead and put that into the chat as well. So go ahead, talk to the person next to you. What comes to mind when you think of the word peace? All right, well, let's hear a few of these. Go ahead and uh, shout out. What do, you, what do you think of when you hear the word peace? Happiness, quiet. What was that? Calmness, comfort. Harmony, that's good. Those are, those are all great. So the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. Um, and it occurs 237 times in the Old Testament. So a word that happens that many times that isn't the word the, you figure maybe it's something we should be paying attention to. So shalom actually means more than just our simple idea of peace. In fact, the English language is a little bit limited in this way. It means so much more. It's kind of like live long and prosper means a little bit more than just, hey, have a great day. Sorry, for those of you who watch Star Trek, you'll get that. Uh, shalom means well-being in all aspects of your life. Shalom means 
physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, well-being in those aspects of your life. It's more than just, hey, I hope you have a great day. It actually means may you find fulfillment and all you need for your well-being today. The idea of shalom is much, much bigger than just the word peace. In fact, the folks over at the Bible Project do a really great job of describing what the word shalom means. If you don't know who the Bible Project is, look it up at some point. They have some great videos online that talk about the Bible and study the Bible. And so what I want you to do is take a look at what they have to say about the word shalom. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. All right, well, that sounds nice. I think I'd like to have some of that shalom in my life, please. So that sounds great. Unfortunately, we have a little bit of a problem. You see, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, it says, But there is no peace, no shalom for the wicked, says the Lord. Huh. Okay. Well, what is the Hebrew word wicked? What is the word for that? Well, it's rasha. And if we look at the definition of it, it's an adjective that means one guilty of crime. Okay, I don't think I'm in that boat. It can also mean one that is hostile to God. Uh, not most of the time. Or it can mean one that is guilty of sin against God or man. Well, that's unfortunate, because that's all of us. We've all sinned against God. We've all sinned against man. So now what? Does that mean we can't have shalom in our lives? Well, thankfully, God provided a solution to this. He loved us enough 
to give us his son as a solution to this problem. Romans chapter 3, starting in verse 23, it says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And Romans continues in chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So Christ brings peace between us and our relationship with God. Christ reconciles us to God. Okay, great, but does that mean that I'll see peace on this side of eternity? I mean, don't get me wrong, I know that Christ will one day return and that God will bring judgment on the world and I know that there will be peace in heaven and it will be a perfect peace and I'll get to experience it for all eternity, but will I see it in this life? Will I be able to experience peace, that shalom, in my own life? Well, in Luke chapter 2, when the angels are announcing the birth of Jesus, it says in Luke 2, 13, suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Okay, well, God is pleased with us because of Christ. And so any of us who have accepted him, God is pleased with us. And peace on earth certainly sounds like peace in our time. So at a minimum, we know that the angels certainly seem to think that we can have peace on earth with us. But it left me wondering, how do we find peace when there's so much pain? It's one of the things that I've struggled with personally. You know, last week, I did not feel a lot of peace when we were dealing with everything and wondering what was going to happen with my sister. I haven't always felt peace raising a child on the autism spectrum. I haven't always felt peace this last year as the eldership has been trying to deal with, well, the whole year, 2020, has been something that we've had to deal with and it hasn't always been peaceful. And I certainly haven't always felt peace when I've seen my friends losing their jobs or becoming sick or becoming hospitalized, getting COVID, all of these things. And I know many of you have struggled with the exact same thing. I know many of you have suffered through the loss of a loved one, or maybe a marriage that has fallen apart, or custody fights over your children, or depression, or loss of a job, or sickness, or illness, or cancer, or the politics, or all the social issues. The list goes on and on and on. How do you find peace in that? You know, and if that wasn't enough, even Jesus tells us he's not bringing peace to this earth. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, this is Jesus speaking. He says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. And that's echoed in Luke chapter 12, verse 51, where again, Jesus says, do you think I've come to bring peace to this earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. That's kind of dark. And I started to feel a little bit of contradiction there. I started wondering, okay, well, what is this about? What is, what is this about the angels saying peace on earth and Jesus saying, I've not come to bring peace? Well, I found that any time that I'm studying the word, any time that I'm in God's word and something doesn't feel right, it's probably because I'm missing something. 
And so it made me wonder, okay, what am I missing? What, what question am I, am I not asking? What do I need to be looking at? And it got me thinking, maybe I'm looking at this all wrong. Maybe I'm asking the wrong questions. And I started to realize peace, shalom, isn't the absence of storms in life. Peace is having all you need for your well-being today. That is different. That is not no storms. That is the, it's not the absence of storms. That is having all you need for your well-being today. So that got me thinking about Biosphere 2, naturally. I'm sure many of you sitting in here started thinking about Biosphere 2 as well. Uh, this is a, a giant enclosure in Arizona, and it's completely enclosed. They're growing plants in a controlled environment, and what they're trying to study plants can grow in these environments so that we can maybe learn how to live on Mars or learn how to live on the moon or maybe Texas, you know, whatever the case may be. <laughs> One of the things that, that started happening in the early days is the trees would grow to a certain height and then they'd just fall over. And scientists were kind of baffled by this for a little while. What is going on? Well, it turns out that if there's no wind and there's no breeze and there's no storm, well, guess what? The trees don't grow strong roots. They don't grow what's called stress wood. In other words, the storms of life, the wind, would actually strengthen the trees and allow them to grow more. Life's storms strengthen us. Life's storms give us the ability to grow, which then gives us the ability to stand alongside others, to provide shade and shelter and protection to others around us really take care of others. So maybe shalom, maybe peace isn't about removing storms. Maybe it's about that sense of well-being. But then that got me wondering, well, if peace isn't just the absence of storms, then what could peace in this life look like? How would I get that kind of peace in life? Well, the Apostle Paul gives us the answer. In Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 4, and let me just say real quick, Paul writes his letters from prison. So many of them come from prison. So I want you to be thinking about the fact that he's saying all the things he's going to say here from prison. And these were not good prisons. I mean, there was no TV. It was barbarous. It was horrible. So this is written from prison, a Roman prison. And Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul gives us a path to peace. That pathway is, he says, first, be full of joy. Rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank God for all that he has done. Then, simple logic, do these things. Then you will experience peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You will experience God's peace. It got me wondering, how often do we pray for peace or for understanding or for calm or for the storms to end? How often do we pray for that? but forget to rejoice, but forget to stop worrying, 
but forget to thank God for all that he has done for us. You see, it doesn't say we're going to have peace when our political party wins or when we get that promotion at work or when we defeat a ballot measure or when our spouse starts seeing things our way or when our children start making better life decisions. That's not when peace comes. We'll have peace when we put God into the center of our lives and we thank him for what he's already provided us. You have to remember, we need to rejoice in everything, worry about nothing, be thankful for all God has done, and then we will experience that peace. Like Dan said a couple weeks ago, if that's the kind of peace that's in you, and that's the kind of peace that was in Paul, what can the world do to you? What can be thrown at you? You want to kill me? Cool. I get to be with Christ. You want to torture me? Cool. I get to witness for Christ. You want to release me? Cool. I get to keep preaching about Christ. What can you do to someone like that? What can you throw at them? What storms can they not handle? Well, the truth is, with that kind of peace, they can handle any of it because to live is Christ and to die is gain. Doesn't that sound kind of amazing? Isn't that the shalom that we should be seeking? Not the kind of peace the world seeks, but the kind of peace that God wants to offer us into our hearts. Amen? Amen. So let's pull this all together. So again, we've been looking at Isaiah 9-6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. I want, you to, I want you to pay attention there to what's happening. It says he is for us. He is given to us. We are being given a gift. And like Dan said last week, we need to receive that gift. Christmas gets really awkward when, you, when somebody hands you a gift and you just look at it and you don't receive it. God has a gift for us in the form of his son. We need to receive that because he is for us. And Isaiah 9, 6 continues and says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So if you know Christ and you put him at the center of your life, then guess what you have? You have someone that can guide you in life's decisions, guide you in the direction that you need to go. You have someone with the power to create, the power to forgive, and the power to give you all that you need. You have someone that loves you, cares about you, disciplines you, but will never leave you, will always be there for you. And you have someone who can bring peace into your heart, even when life is storming all around you. Doesn't that sound amazing? Well, that's for you. He is for you. People and circumstances will let you down, but he never will. Let's pray. God, I just want to thank you for giving us this day to learn about you and what you want for our lives. Father, I just pray that you would help us to find joy in everything that we do. Father, I pray that you would give us the strength we need to share that joy with everyone around us. Father, I just pray that you would help us not to worry, but to instead rely on you. Father, give us hearts of thanksgiving in all circumstances and fill our hearts with your peace, a peace that goes beyond anything we can understand. Father, guard our hearts and our minds and keep us centered on you in everything. God, thank you for sending your son for us. Thank you for the peace 
that he brings into our lives. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.